All right, let's open our Bibles to Psalm chapter 50. Psalm chapter 50. And uh, today being Father's Day, we're going to talk about the Heavenly Father. You know, last Sunday, my wife uh, read a quote from a man named A.W. Tozer. And he said this, listen to this, it's very good. He said, so necessary to the church is a lofty concept of God that when that concept in any measure declines, the church with her worship and moral standards declines along with it. The first step down for any church is taken when it surrenders its high opinion of God. And I would say when the church loses its high opinion of God, it will inevitably cause the nation to do the same. And this is where we are living today in the United States of America. We have lost our high opinion. So many have lost their high opinion of who God is. Now, uh, I'm going to do something today that that I've never really done is... Last Wednesday, Pastor Diane, of course, my wife, shared a message with the ladies on on who God, the Heavenly Father, is. And as I read through her message, it, it, it was so good that actually I'm going to more or less share some of what she shared on Wednesday night with you this morning. Now, not everything she shared. I, the Spirit of God had me put a couple of things in that she didn't have. So we'll, we'll just go along those lines. But notice here in Psalm 50, verse 21, in the middle of that verse, the Lord said, You thought that I was altogether like you. You thought that I was altogether like you. Now, how many of you know we are created in the likeness and image of God? You understand that? We did not come down from a monkey. You know, you'd have to have more faith to believe that than to believe the word of God. You understand that? And uh, God said light be and light was. And then, you know, in those six days, he created the heavens and the earth and, and, and all of that, you know. And then he made man of the dust of the ground, breathed into him the breath of life. Man became a living being. Then, of course, in the process of time, he caused the deep sleep to come on Adam. And he took a rib from his side and made his wife Eve and so on. And then we've come down from them. But uh, so we're made in the likeness and image of God. All right. But then again, having said that, we're not God. We're in we're, we're in his likeness and image. But but we are not God. There is only one God. He's manifested in three persons, the Father, the Son, the Lord Jesus, and the precious Holy Spirit. And so, you know, we're in his image, but, but we're not altogether like him. In that, notice Isaiah 55, verse 8. Isaiah 55, verse 8. Notice what this scripture says, God speaking. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So, yes, we're in the likeness and image of God. But yet notice what he said here. He said that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And so you need to realize that. That when we're dealing with God, we're not dealing with man, we're dealing with Almighty God. One thing that I would tell you that would help you, it, 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 it hindered me for years until the Lord finally got this through to me, that you have to learn to separate God from man. In other words, have you ever seen a man or a woman lie or cheat or steal or, or act unbecomingly? Let me put it another. Have you ever seen a Christian do that? Oh, yeah. You'll see Christians. They'll lie. They'll cheat. They'll steal. They'll talk bad about folk. And so oftentimes people will see Christians act unbecomingly and then they'll think God's that way. So you have to learn to separate God from man just because a Christian acts ugly doesn't mean God is. Did you hear me? 
I said, did you hear me? And that'll help you if you get if you get that into your thinking. And many times in our society, people and even preachers will now listen to this. They'll bring God down to a certain level or they'll bring him down to to our level to make him more acceptable to the lifestyles that people want to live. That's happening in this nation like never before. Where preachers are bringing God down to a level that allows people to live. I'm talking church folk, people that come to church, allow them to live a sinful lifestyle. See, when we lose our high opinion of who God is, then it causes our conduct to become degraded. We need to keep a high opinion of God. So how, how do we perceive God? Do we know God for who he really is? Or do we fabricate a quote unquote God that is compatible with our comfort zone? Our, or with our family or friends or our society or our culture? Is our idea of God based on the Bible? Or on a TV show or a movie or a quote unquote Christian song or a secular song? Or some inspirational movie or books or some report of a so-called angelic appearance or heavenly vision. I mean, you know, we must base our opinion of God on the word of God, on the Bible, not on anything else. Is our idea of God rooted in the typical funeral message? When someone dies, they, regardless of what they believed or how they lived, go to a quote-unquote better place? You need to realize that when people die, unless they have repented of their sins and placed their faith in the Lord Jesus, they, unless they've done that, they don't go to a better place. They go to a place called hell, a place of torment. I know I, I, I've done so many funerals over the years and, and it, 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 you know, it's, it's always difficult to do a funeral. But when you know that that person who has died was a Christian they, and they, they, they trusted in the Lord Jesus, it's much easier to do the funeral than when you know that that person didn't place their faith in Jesus and didn't live for him. And you, and you know as best you can that they went to hell. That's hard to do a funeral like that. All you can really do as a preacher is just comfort the family as best you can and get them, point them towards Jesus. Did you hear me? You see, there are so many silly and ridiculous things said and believed about God, things that are just not in line with the Bible. For example, in the NIV, does anybody know what the NIV version, what does that stand for? New International Version. You know, there's one Bible, only one Bible, but there's, you know, King James Version, New King James Version, NIV, just different versions of, of, of the same thing. You have to be careful, be sure you have a good version of the Bible. Uh, but the NIV describes the true and accurate account of God upon his throne in heaven. Notice Revelation 5, verse 11 in the NIV. Let's just read this true and accurate account. How do I know it's true and accurate? Because it's we're reading the word of God. Notice here. Verse 11, then I looked and heard, this is John here. He said, then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and elders. In a loud voice, they sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that, it, that, that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And that's what is going on in heaven, you see. And that is an accurate an accurate uh, uh, account of what's going on in heaven. You need to realize that the throne of God is an awesome thing to observe and to see from, from what the Bible says. However, many preachers and Christians in this hour are not using, for example, the NIV. They're using the RIV. Now, you may have never heard of the RIV. What is the RIV? That's the revised incorrect version. And many... <laughs> 
many use that to define God. And if we were to read that same passage that we just read in the revised incorrect version, it might go something like this. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they sang, Worthy is Jesus, my homeboy, who was hurt so that we could live our best life now. Have a better day and be billionaires if we'll go to our phones and send in our money by midnight. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that in them is singing to the big guy in the sky who sits on the throne and to the big sugar daddy be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And if I could just have a beer with Jesus... Jesus would just be all right with me. You see, when we bring God down and we lose our high opinion of him, then everything goes haywire. Jesus is not a homeboy. Don't refer to him as that. That's disrespectful. I don't care what your culture is. I don't care where. I'm telling you, do not refer to him as a homeboy. And don't say that he's just all right with me. God is not the big guy in the sky and he's not a sugar daddy. He is not anyone's drinking buddy. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is holy and majestic and wonderful. And there's none like him. Can anybody say praise God? Did you hear what I just said? And by the way, heaven is not a casino in the sky. Or you can put in a dollar today and expect a hundred out tomorrow. You can't give in just one offering and expect God to meet your needs. You need to consistently over time be a tither and a giver and trust God and and obey him. And, And I tell you what, he'll supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But you have to do that consistently over time. But you see that 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 revised incorrect version You know, when you read that, and there isn't really one of those, by the way, but so many would read Scripture that way. And what's happening? We're getting a low opinion of God. Doesn't that what I just what I just read there, which which is is incorrect? Doesn't I mean, doesn't that give you a low opinion of God? He's not a sugar daddy. He's not a homeboy. He's not a big guy in the sky. He is almighty God. And we need to remember that. And when we forget that, we get in in trouble. It's important to know who we are worshiping. Notice God himself declared through Isaiah. Just listen to this. He said, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. In other words, God is very powerful. He's very awesome. And there's none that can be compared to him. And so what I want to do in the time that I have left, I want to just take a few minutes and look at some of the attributes or the characteristics of God and find out who he really is so that we can all have a correct opinion and viewpoint of him. At number one, he's self-existent. Realize I say self-existent. Yeah, yeah, he's self-existent. God is the absolute source of all life and being. God is not dependent for existence upon any source outside himself. Thus, he is self-existent. The book of Colossians in the New Testament says he is before all things and in him all things hold together. So he's self-existent. Secondly, he is immutable. What does that mean? He does not change. God, realize say God does not change. He does not change. You see the book of Malachi in the Old Testament said, I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament says Jesus Christ. And by the way, Jesus Christ is God. You need to understand that he is God. I said he is God. You must understand that. And and Hebrews says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today. And forever. You see, God does not change. Man and women, they change, 
they'll change many times from day to day. Have you ever known somebody that it seems like they change from one day to the next? But you see, God does not change. Man or woman, boy or girl, their word and their moods may change from day to day. Their motivation, their intentions change, but God never changes. Isn't it good to know that we serve a God who never changes, that he's consistent. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. He's also omniscient, omniscient. What does that mean? He's all knowing. God is all knowing. Nothing happens anywhere of which God is not aware. Man cannot hide either his actions or his thoughts from Almighty God. God the Heavenly Father is all wise in his plans and purposes. The book of Psalms says this, Great is our Lord and mighty is our God in power. His understanding has no limit. The book of Hebrews says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes of him to whom we must give account. So God is all knowing. He's also omnipresent. Realize, say omnipresent. Yeah, yeah, he's omnipresent. What does that mean? That he's everywhere at once. He's everywhere at the same time. God is present everywhere at the same time. The book of Psalms says this, and the psalmist cried out and said, where can I go from your spirit? Talking about God. Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold There you are as well. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, there I will find Almighty God. You see, God is everywhere. He's everywhere at the same time. Did you know that the devil is not everywhere at the same time? Did you know that the devil, how many of you know the devil is not omniscient? He's not all-knowing. But God is all-knowing. The devil is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at once, but God is everywhere at the same time. How many of you know God is bigger than the devil? How many of you is glad he's bigger than the devil? Oh, yeah. Glory to God. You run with God. You don't have to be afraid of the devil. You run with God. You don't have to be afraid of sickness and disease. Amen. Glory to God. I've been running with God since I've been a kid. I haven't found anybody better to run with. So I guess I'll just keep running with him. Amen. Glory to God. But you see, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. He's also omnipotent. 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 What what, what does that mean? He is all powerful. That's why I'm not afraid of the devil, because I'm running with God and I'm running with the one who is all powerful. See, God is omnipotent. There are some things that he cannot do, such as lie, deny himself or sin. This is not a limitation of his power, but a self-limitation of his will. God will not do what is contrary to his nature. Jeremiah cried out and said, O sovereign Lord. You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Realize, say, nothing Nothing. is too hard for God. God. See, he's uh, omnipotent. He's all powerful. What am I doing here today? I'm trying to get you to see who it is that we're serving. I'm trying to get you to see who it is that we're worshiping. He's not a homeboy. He's not a big guy in the sky. He's not a sugar daddy. He's almighty God. He's all knowing. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. Notice Exodus 6 verse 3. Let's look this one up. Exodus 6 3 in the King James Version. Notice this as it pertains to his power. Exodus 6 3 King James Version. Notice what God said. He's talking to Moses here. And he said this to Moses. He said, I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty or El Shaddai, actually. But by my name. Now watch this. But by my name, Jehovah, I was not known to them. Now think about this. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob only got to see one aspect of God. But now Moses, and God's telling Moses this himself, he's telling Moses, you're going to get to see a side of me that those guys didn't get to see. 
Have you ever known somebody and, and, uh, and, and you've known just maybe one side of them? You've just seen them as a real gentle, you know, quiet kind of a person. And then did you ever see that person, that same person, get angry? You know, you can be angry and sin not. Is that right? And you saw them get angry and you see a side of them that you never had seen before. How many, has that ever happened to anybody? And you say, I didn't know that they, that they had that, that about them. I never knew that they had that about them. Well, you see, God said to Moses, he said, you're going to get to see a side of me that these other guys didn't get to see. And how many of you know Moses got to see some of the most awesome, mighty miracles that this planet has ever seen? I'd say part in the Red Sea, that, that's, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? Seeing that, 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 that fire come down and, and, and holding Pharaoh's army off while the Israelites passed over on dry ground. Smacking a rock and seeing water come out of it. Manna coming down, quail coming down for people to eat. Walking in the wilderness and they're 40 years and their shoes not wearing out. Pretty awesome, wouldn't you say? And so you need to realize that there's sides of God that Moses got to see that the others didn't. You need to realize this about God. There are sides of him. We'll say a little bit more about this in just a moment. There are sides of him that sometimes you don't oft see, but they're there nonetheless. Did you know you can preach just one side of God? And if that's all you ever preach, you miss out on who he really is. I'm going to talk to you in just a moment about the goodness and the severity of God in this hour in which we live. For the most part, all you're ever hearing is about the goodness of God, and, 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 and that's great. But you know there is a severe side to God. Did you know that? And if you just hear about the one side of Him, you can get a, an opinion of Him that's not accurate altogether. Wouldn't you say that when God said light, be, and light was... And it's still expanding at the speed of light, even as we speak this universe. Did you know this universe is still expanding at the speed of light? Did you know that even as we talk? Did you know that? All from just one phrase when God said all those eons ago, light, and it's still going at the speed of light. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? When God heals somebody, that takes some power, doesn't it? You know, he's still in the healing business. We've seen literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people healed by the power of God in this ministry over the last 20 years. How come he's still healing people today? Because he did it yesterday and the day before that. And and, and Jesus Christ is what? The same yesterday, today and forever. You know, talk about miracles. You can look at the resurrection of Jesus. The Bible said that when God raised Jesus from the dead, he did it by his mighty power. And one of the greatest things you'll ever see is when a sinner repents of their sins and places their faith in the Lord Jesus. The power of God hits their spirit, recreates their spirit. God is powerful. I said God is powerful. You need to realize that. I said, God is powerful. He's also righteous, just, and holy. I said, he's righteous, just, and holy. The book of Deuteronomy said that he is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Did you know God doesn't do any wrong? I said, he doesn't do any wrong. If you're here today and you think he's wronged you, then you're, you're wrong, not him. He does no wrong. He's upright and he is just. He's also holy. And this is something I want to just take a moment. So realize, say, God is holy. Yeah, this is, this is an aspect of God. I, I think here in America, we, we've, we've missed this. We, we've gotten such a low opinion of God concerning this to where it's just, it's just done us, done, done us much, much harm. Uh, 
uh, say, how come you don't see as many healings as you'd like to see? How, many, how come you don't see as many miracles as you'd like to see? How, how come you don't see, see the, 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 the presence of God? Did you know in the Old Testament, the presence of God had come in, in sometimes into the temple where it would be so powerful and so strong that people could not, that they couldn't stand up and continue to, to minister and continue to go on because the power of God was so strong that they just hit the deck. They just fall down and, and they couldn't, they couldn't hardly, they couldn't even move. You, you, you know, you know why we don't see that today as we should is because we've lost our opinion of God that he is holy. See, he is holy. He's untainted by evil. He's untainted by sin. He's free from impure or profane things. You see, John and Isaiah, John in the New Testament, Isaiah in the Old Testament, both saw the throne of God. And they, thousands of years separated, but yet they both got to see the throne of God and they both described the same thing. And they saw, both Isaiah and John saw, as they looked at the throne of God, they saw four angelic beings. Actually, the Bible calls them, calls them beasts, but, but they're angelic beings. They're known as seraphim. Isaiah saw it, John saw it, and they saw these four seraphim, these four beasts, or these four angelic beings, which guard the throne of God. And they, they saw them, and you know what they do day and night? That's all they do is they stand, they say, holy, holy, holy. I believe one for the Father, one for the Son and one for the Holy Ghost. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And you see, when they say holy, 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 the Bible says all of heaven hits the deck, so to speak. They all fall down before the throne of God and they give worship and adoration and praise unto Him. And we should should be doing the same thing here upon the earth. One person said, listen, this quoting this person that said, many of us come to church Sunday after Sunday with an expectation of receiving something. But God does not exist to be useful. God exists to be adored simply because of who he is. Did you get what I just said? Did you really get what I just said? And this is something I've dealt with as a pastor over the many years. It's, it's amazing to me that how many people come to church to receive something and that's their main motive. Now, don't misunderstand me. Certainly you come to receive the word of God. You come to receive the, 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 the power of God and the blessing of God. Don't misunderstand me. That certainly is something that happens. But that should be secondary to what we really should be coming for. You see... We shouldn't be coming first and foremost to, to receive something from God. First and foremost, we should be coming to the house of God to give something to God. Did you hear what I just said? Well, I'm not going to go to that church because I just didn't like their worship. Well, really what you just told me is you came to be entertained. That's one reason that this nation is in the shape that it's in right now is because churches are trying to entertain people instead of standing in the pulpit as, uh, as men and women of God and declaring the word of God, not caring if we entertain people, but giving people the word of God and what it is God once said, not what the preacher got out of a suggestion box. Did you hear what I just said? You'd be surprised over the years how many times I've stood up here and you, you, you watch it, folk, and they'll roll their eyes, they'll look at their clock, and roll their eyes. Man, you come for the wrong reason. You should have come to give something to God. If the man of God in the pulpit is standing there anointed of the Spirit of God, you ought to be hanging on every word. But first and foremost, you should be there to give God something, to give Him your praise and adoration and love and respect. Can you say Amen. You should be willing to come and adore him and stay as long as the spirit of God's moving. 
Now, if you got some man that just wants to preach a long sermon and the Holy Ghost isn't, isn't in most of it, then that's a different thing. But I tell you what, if the Holy Ghost, if the word's being taught, the Holy Ghost is moving. I tell you what, you should be willing to stay if it goes past your lunchtime. Where are all the miracles and the signs and the wonders? Where are they? Well, if we'd be willing to stay and wait on God, there's no telling what he might do. But when a minister stands up to try to entertain people and give them some something to just make them feel a little bit better, you know, you know what I mean? You're not going to see a move of God in that. You see, the first and foremost reason that we should come to church is to just come to worship him and adore him and give him praise and honor and glory. And if we'll do that, then. We'll get something out of it. You see, realize, say, God is holy. Yeah, he's holy. And uh, you can get in and, you know, I, I, I just want to say this. I, you know, you say, well, well, what does God look like? Well, you know, the Bible said that he's a fire from the loins up and a fire from the loins down. You mean God is a fire? Well, that's talking about his glory. He's holy. And, 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 and if, you were to, if you were able to look on him, we were made in his likeness and image. And so he looked much like a man. Do you understand that? But he's also a fire from the loins up, fire from the loins down. I mean, and it doesn't mean he's an actual fire, although it's that glory. Remember when John saw Jesus on the Isle of Patmos? How many remember that? When, when he saw Jesus on the Isle of Patmos and he turned around and, and his hair was white like wool. Does that mean Jesus has white hair? No, I don't believe he has white hair. But it's the glory of God that he was seeing. Remember, Moses went up on the mountain and he was up there for, what, 40 days and 40 nights, something like that. And he comes down. And when he comes down off the mountain, how many of you remember that the people, they were saying, oh, ooh, ooh, you know, why? Because because, you see, there was a glow coming off of Moses and it was the glory of God that was coming off of Moses because he'd been in the presence of God. I tell you what, I'm hungry to be in the presence of God and let that glow get off on me. How about you? God is not some old fuddy-duddy that sits up in the sky and that is boring. And Now, if you really tap into the God of the Bible, I tell you what, he's exciting. It's exciting. I mean, religion a lot of times, get, you know what I'm talking about, religious, just a bunch of rules and regulations. That, that can get dull and boring. I tell you what, if you hook up with God and start running with him, I'm telling you what, I tell you, it's exciting to run with God. I've been running with God like I told you a while ago since I've been a kid. I haven't found anybody better to run with than him. And so I'm going to just keep running with him. Glory to God. And serving him over these last many years has just been so exciting. And you get in there and you start flowing with the healing power of God. And I tell you what, well, we, the prayer lines we've had over the years, going down those prayer lines and the power of God so strong and the spirit of God directs you. There was, I, I'll go just tell one. I could stand here for hours and tell stories about God healing people. And how many of you know I can't heal anybody? Say real loud, Jesus is a healer. Well, that girl had a big lump on the back of her neck, big old knot like a golf ball coming down the line. The spirit of God directed me. And all I can do is just obey him. He said, said, slap that. Just slap it. Curse it in the name of Jesus. We slapped it. Curse it in the name of Jesus. Twenty four hours later, the thing was gone. Say the thing was gone. Glory to God. I remember. Isn't Jesus wonderful? I remember one night some folks came in off the street. They were probably about 18, 19 years old. Two girls. They just, they, 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 they'd been on drugs and they were messed up. But they came in. I remember the power of God came on those two. You might remember it. The power of God came on them. They stood right up here where this pulpit. They stood right in this area right here. Both of them shaking under the power of God. Glory to God. And I asked them, I said, is the drug or the drugs or anything that you've ever done uh, compared to this? And they said, no, no, no. This is far better than the drugs and the alcohol. How many of you know God is better? better than drugs. He's better than alcohol. He's better than illicit sex. I tell you what, let's run with God. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Whew. Hallelujah. Habakkuk got to see God. His glory, Habakkuk, he's a prophet in the Old Testament. He said, his glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Talking about God. 
He had shafts or beams of great light flashing from his hands, and therein was the hiding place of his power. Habakkuk went on to say, before him went pestilence. See, when God shows up, sickness and disease leaves. Did you hear what I just said? Burning coals followed at his feet. Talks about God. He stood and measured the earth. That's a big God, isn't it? He looked and startled the nations. And the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills bowed. His ways are everlasting. I'm talking about a powerful, almighty God who is holy. You know, the children of Israel, remember, they saw God come down on Mount Sinai. Remember that? God came down on that mountain like to blew the top of that thing off. Remember that? And remember what the children of Israel said? They said, oh, we don't want any part. You go up and talk to him. Huh? How many ever seen the Wizard of Oz? Remember the cowardly lion? Ten man all that day. They didn't want to go down that long hall to see that. I mean, remember that? And the closer they got, the... Remember and, the, and remember the cowardly lion? He's just shaking like that. Remember that? They're going to get to see the Wizard of Oz. Well, I want to tell you something right now. God makes the Wizard of Oz look like a peanut picker. Did you hear what I just said? How many of you know God is greater than the Wizard of Oz? We can have a little fun as we go, can't we? Well, I'm talking about God Almighty. And, and when he sat down on that, he came down that mountain like to blew the top of that thing off. That's, that's, we need to understand that's who it is we're serving. Remember when the high priest on the Day of Atonement entered the Holy of Holies? He couldn't, and this, listen to me, this is one of the reasons right now, what I'm going to tell you is, is why you don't see the, 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 the move of God like you'd like to see it. Remember on the Day of Atonement when that high priest approached that Holy of Holies? He's approaching God. Kind of like the tin man and, the, you know, they approach the wizard. But remember, God makes the wizard of Oz look like a peanut picker. You understand that? When the, when the high priest went in to approach the Holy of Holies, he couldn't just slop up in there any way he wanted. Did you hear what I just said? And we've got Christians in this land slopping to church, just slopping up to church. Just, I mean, man, if you went to the, to the White House, if you had a meeting at the White House, would you show some respect as you approach that Oval Office? Whether you respect Obama or not, would you show some respect to that Oval Office? Huh? You wouldn't just slop in there any just old way you wanted to slop in. Is that right? You'd come and show some respect. Yet you have people in the land, I'm talking in the United States, just slopping into churches any old way. Now, we don't have the problem in this church, but they'll, they'll, they'll have their cell phones going off during service. They'll be on the phone talking during service. They'll, they'll, they'll be eating donuts during service. They'll be acting unbecomingly during service. Why? Because they've lost a high opinion of who God is. When the high priest went into that Holy of Holies, he had to be dressed just so. Everything had to be just so. You can study the garments of the high priest. I mean, everything just had to be just so. And, 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 and there had to be blood present. And, you know, the blood of the... And we can't approach the throne of God without the blood of Jesus. You understand that? But there, there, I mean, everything... Say this. Say, everything had to be just so. And then on top of that, they tied a rope around him. Why did they tie a rope around him? Because if he got in there and acted unbecomingly or did something that he shouldn't have done, he'd fall dead. Is that right? And they'd have a rope on him because nobody else could go in there because the power of God was so strong that they, if they heard the bells on his garments stop jingling, then they'd pull him, they'd have to pull him out. That's who we're dealing with, dear friends. That's who we're dealing. We're, we're, ta- we're not talking about a little, a little, little limp, limp-wristed guy in the sky. That We're talking about Almighty God. Say Almighty God. Well, they tied a rope on him. And he didn't act just right around the presence of God. Pull him, they'd pull him out dead. 
Yeah, but that was the old covenant. Yeah, it seems to me there was a man named Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament that went in and lied to God right in the right in church. And they both fell dead. Is that right? I said, is that right? Pastor, you're scaring me. You're you're scaring me. Pastor, you're I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to lift your opinion of almighty God up and, and get you to realize who it is. We're really serving. Can you can you say amen? Did you know what that when the scribes in the Old Testament as they were as they were writing the scripture? Did you know that whenever they'd come up to the name of God, that they'd stop, they'd go change their they'd take a bath, change their they'd take their clothes off, they'd change they'd go to the private room, take their clothes off, they'd take a bath, they'd put on a new set of clothes, and then they'd come out and they'd write his name. That's having a pretty high opinion of God, isn't it? I said, isn't it? But yet, yet how many of us will see something and say, oh, God. Oh, my God. You know, that's really kind of disrespectful to the. We ought to be watchful how we use the name of God. Or, oh, Jesus. We ought to be watchful how we use the name of Jesus. If you want to curse sickness and disease in the name of Jesus and have that sickness and disease leave, you better be watchful how you're using that name of Jesus otherwise in your life. Did you hear what I just said? I'm almost done. I'm going to say something now that God wants me to say. I believe believe I heard from him right here in my spirit. Pastor Diane didn't have this in her notes, but I'm going to cover it just briefly. God is a jealous God. I said, God is a jealous God. The Bible says that. Go read the Ten Commandments sometime. And you'll see that in that first commandment. Does anybody know what that first commandment says? You shall have no other gods before me. And then if you read on in there, God makes it clear. He says that he is a jealous God. We shouldn't put anything ahead of God. Nothing should be more important to us than Almighty God. Because He's a jealous God. And that word jealous doesn't there doesn't mean if you study that doesn't mean anything bad. There is a jealousy that is that is that, that is that isn't good. But it's the the jealous that he is is it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And he he wants all of our worship and our praise and our adoration. I believe he's worthy of it. You'd be surprised how many Christians have things in their lives that are more important to them than God. And that'll happen if you get a low opinion of God. If you get a low opinion of God, then idols will creep up and things will become more important to you than God. But the reason I bring this up now is I just feel led to say it, so I'll say it. Something happened in our nation a few days ago, a week or so ago, give or take, that's very, very troubling to me. Some people have had their eyes on other things as well they should. You know, there's a lot going on in, in, in the government that's not real good. Did you know that? A lot of things that trouble me, but, but there's something that happened that I think that, 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 that I know the Spirit of God wants me to just say it from this pulpit. How many of you know that this nation was founded on the Word of God? Called by God, founded on the Word of God. And I'm talking, you've got to be careful when you hear the word God, because that can mean many things to many different people. Well, I, when I say God, I'm talking about Jehovah. I'm talking about God the Father. I'm talking about God the Son, the Lord Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? And you also need to understand that Allah is not the same as Jehovah. You need to understand that. And something happened some days ago, weeks ago, in the Rose Garden at the White House that troubles me. This is not a political thing. This is not a Democrat or Republican thing. I don't deal with those issues. But we had the President of the United States 
allow someone to come into that rose garden. This nation was founded on the word of God. And the God of the Bible is a jealous God. And he said, you'll have no other gods before me. And the president of this United States allowed someone to come into the rose garden at the White House. And allowed somebody to come in there and give praise to Allah. And I would not want to walk in the president of the United States shoes for one, two minutes after he did that. He's on dangerous, dangerous, dangerous ground. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, but he's got the Secret Service to protect you. Uh, They can protect him from a lot of things. But God makes the Secret Service look like peanut pickers. And I'm, I, 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 that, that concerns me because you, you need to understand something else, too, that, that God looks at an elector representative. He is a representative of the people. Whether you agree with him or not. Dangerous thing that the president did. Without get, getting any further into it, I would just advise him if, if he were to be listening. I'd advise him to go back as quick as he can, get back in that rose garden in front of the television cameras and repent. And stand there and give glory to Almighty God, the God of the Bible. Now, you can like that, or like my mom always said, you can like that or you can lump it. But that's what the Holy Ghost is saying. What this nation needs is a national revival. When Jonah went into Nineveh, he cried out and he said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. And there's much more I could say about it. I don't have the time right now. But they, they repented from, from the king all the way down to the creature. And they had national revival because, you see, the judgment of God was pending upon Nineveh. And they repented and God stayed or stopped the judgment that was coming. And I'm telling you that the judgment of God is pending upon this nation. You can't kill as many babies through abortion as we've killed and have that much innocent blood run and not have the judgment of God pending. You can't allow the sin of homosexuality to run rampant the way that it is running rampant. And not have the judgment of... I didn't stutter. I said homosexuality is sin. Well, I don't like that you said that, Pastor. Well, what did my mom always say? You can like it or you can... But that's the Word of God. And you can't have the President of the United States standing in the Rose Garden allowing Allah to be praised. But you see, when we get a low opinion of God, these things happen. And you need to know that as good as God is, God can be angered and full of wrath. If we do not understand this attribute of God, we will no longer fear him. The book of Romans says that there's no fear of God before their eyes. And that's where we're living right now in this nation. Seemingly, there's no fear of God before Anyone's eyes. And when there's no fear of God, then holiness is no longer important. And you become loose and lackadaisical. I'll close with this. Romans eleven twenty two says, therefore, consider the goodness. Real loud, say goodness and severity of God. Say severity. severity. There's a goodness of God and there's the severity of God. And you see. If you preach one without the other, you get an opinion of God that's not accurate. So much of God's goodness has been preached, and, that, and that's good, that's wonderful. But if you never, see, today I've been talking a little bit more about his severity. Why? Because that's needed right now, because goodness has been preached so much that people have lost a healthy fear of God. You need the goodness and the severity. Realize, say, goodness... And severity. 
You need, you need, both need to be preached. Both need to be understood. I understand it's the goodness of God that leads people to repent. And God's a good God. He's good, 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 good. But there's also a fear, a, a, a severity side a, a, to him. Yeah, but I just don't, I just don't like it that there's a severe side to God. I just don't want to hear about that. Uh, does the Bible say there's a severity of God? Yeah, so if I preach that, well, I just don't like it. Well, you can like it or you can, where did that come from? From my past. You can like it or what? Do you want a man of God to throw you sugar cookies when you're already diabetic? Or do you want, huh? What is it that you want? I decided a long time ago, I'm going to do my best to be a man of God. And teach the word of God, whether people like it or not. The book of Deuteronomy says that on that day, I will become angry with them and forsake them. I will hide my face from them and they will be destroyed. Many disasters and difficulties will come upon them. And on that day, they will ask, have not these disasters come upon us because our God is not with us? And I, God, will certainly hide my face from them on that day because of all their wickedness in their turning to other gods. That's very prophetic of this land in which we live in right now. There's the goodness of God and there's the severity of God. Real loud say God is love. Say he's merciful and say he's good. And you know, the Bible says his anger endures for a moment, but his mercy endures forever. So I understand that we need to emphasize his goodness and his mercy and all of that. But remember, if, you, if that's all you ever get, you never see the severity. You get an unhealthy opinion of Almighty God. Do you understand that? The Bible says on some have compassion. So for the most part, you want to preach the goodness of God to sinners. But some people won't be moved by the goodness. So then you have to... The Bible says others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. So we've talked today about a few of God's awesome attributes. Perhaps all of his attributes are best encompassed in this one single statement. Listen to this. In his power and holiness, he is unapproachable. In his love, he approaches us. Stand with me if you would. I've preached.